and welcome to Small Biz Matters live in the studios of Triple H 100.1 FM and across your podcasting network. My name is Alexi Boyd. Thank you so much for joining me again for another fantastic week full of fantastic small business education, information and advocacy. And it's advocacy we're going to really be talking about today. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm feeling this week that things are getting tougher. The mood in the small business community is feeling more in the doldrums. It's it's getting harder to support our small business colleagues while also thinking of ourselves. And we're all particularly thinking about those small businesses who are suffering through a very strenuous lockdown procedure down in Melbourne. Our thoughts are with them. So let's talk about that advocacy piece today. And uh, we're going to be speaking about commercial rent. There's very few of you out there who are not touched by this, either because you're an advisor for another small business that's affected, you've got a small business friend who's affected by the issues with commercial rent right now, or you are in the scenario where you're having to negotiate with your landlord in particular. So when the chips are down and you need a peak body on your side, boy, are the chips down right now. Small business and medium and even large retailers are losing income and purging employees to the point of no return. What's one of their biggest overheads? Commercial rent. And suddenly the code of conduct that recently came into play is everyone's business. What are small business owners' rights and the landlord's responsibilities? What is mandated and what's inferred? Which level of government administers this and is policing the protections? And importantly, who can you turn to for help? Right now, the National Retail Association is flooded with queries about what has been mandated. Kyle Swan is a leasing advisor to the National Retailers Association and has been in the room supporting and negotiating for you and your small business. So we've brought him on on Small Biz Matters this week to help you understand the changes. Welcome to the show, Kyle. Thanks, Alexi. Uh, that's quite an introduction to the situation we found ourselves in at the moment, right? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I think um, it's it's difficult to say the least. I don't think anybody, any small businesses around the country can possibly fathom what Melbourne is going to, but there is certainly an element of fear uh, out there that it could happen to the rest of the communities as well. Let's um, let's talk about this code of conduct for those out there who are not familiar with it, w- why it exists and who, who it came to be. Um, and who did the National Cabinet actually consult when they created this code of conduct, Carl? Uh, so I guess going back to the start, Alexi, uh, the pandemic was sort of evident globally from um, February, March, over that period. And it became, uh, it started to impact on businesses in Australia um, uh, through March, certainly even February. Uh, By the end, towards the end of March, it was very clear that some very decisive action had to be taken. And uh, obviously there's a number of bodies um, who are... uh, uh, representatives of, of, of or associations for small business sectors and there's a number of those um, I happen to specialize in the retail sector and, and the company I work for is uh, you know, one of Australia's largest uh, advisory firms for commercial industrial and retail uh, tenants and occupiers only so we, we don't represent landlords at all only tenants so we certainly saw this uh, and clients of ours being affected. And uh, part of my role uh, over the last four years, I've been the, the tenancy and leasing advisor to the, the National Retail Association, which is you know, 100 years of history representing retailers in Australia. 
um, the largest uh, representation of retailers in Australia with about 24,000 shop fronts across uh, the, the country and representing a, a sector that is, is number two in Australia for employment of, of people. Um, represents about 11% of our economy with $329 billion in turnover. Um, so it's, it's not a sector that you want going pear-shaped. And that was uh, the early indications, I guess, from uh, what we were seeing with the pandemic. So there were um, each of the representing retail specifically, there's probably a, a, a group of peak bodies. Um, there's two key retail associations that have slightly different focus but represent retail uh, retail businesses. Um, there's also a, a similar body that represents more probably the landlords and uh, and then there's things like the franchise council and so on and, and associations that represent pharmacy and other sectors within that uh, within that sector. So when this, uh, this started to come out, there were different people looking at that and, and starting the lobbying process with um, uh, through through organisations like COSBOA. Um, and COSBOA, one of, one of the early ones who started to put together a, a pretty major presentation to, uh, to the Feds and through Treasury. And uh, they sought... Um, uh, submissions from the peak bodies like the National Retail Association. In my role as the advisor to the to the NRA, um, I was subsequently asked to contribute to that, um, along with a couple of other people similar to me who represent the other other things. And um, as a combined effort, we very early put together uh, some guidelines that were were sort of um, jumped on and rushed through even in March, to the first bill that was released uh, or, or ascended into legislation in New South Wales as the emergency bill. Um, and I think at the time the hope was that that would be picked up by all the other states as a as a sort of a national bill. Um, unfortunately, property is a state-wide uh, legislation matter. Uh, it's not a national legislation, so every state... It has to individually legislate and no other states picked up that emergency bill. And there was uh, the, the emergency bill covered some protections for retailers uh, very early on. Um, it was recognised that we couldn't allow uh, retailers to uh, be subject to the normal provisions of legislation under the retail legislation, uh, leasing legislation, which could have seen... <clears throat> Businesses affected by by the pandemic very early on uh, being defaulted, having their leases terminated, uh, being locked out, things like that that may be normal recovery-type actions from a landlord when rent is in arrears. Um, so that emergency bill was specifically to deal with that very early on. But what that uh, initial bill and, and the uh, conversations that were held around that did was immediately joined forces of a couple of those uh, those peak bodies as, as, as a group to uh, put some meat around that emergency bill and start to put together a guidelines document. Um, the, the initial draft became called the, uh, the Guiding Principles for Commercial Leasing, and it was to deal with all commercial leases and not just the retail sector. 
Um, and that very quickly then was uh, issued to the Treasury and, and the newly formed National Cabinet for discussion. And uh, within seven days or so, it had morphed into what was then released in early April as the National Mandatory Code of Conduct for Commercial Leasing. And so that's how it came about very quickly over a seven to ten day period. Yeah, that is quite remarkable, really, when you think about it. We we can sometimes feel as though we're left out in the cold as small businesses or we're not represented. But in this instance, we very much uh, had, uh, I guess, a, not only a peak body, but also a, um, a, a national body looking after us and then also the National Cabinet being concerned for us and thinking about small businesses. Now, you mentioned um, before that the New South Wales state government was the first to pick up and legislate this code of conduct. So are you saying that it came down to the states to legislate in each of their jurisdictions? Is that correct? Yeah, and and, and that's very much been the drive of the feds as well. They, they wanted to be state-driven. Um, as I said, property uh comes under each individual state so they uh, the, the national there is no national legislation for retail leasing um, legislature it, 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 each state and territory has their own mm-hmm. so it, it actually makes it difficult as say a national retail brand to uh, govern your your leases nationally because there's changes to legislation across each state and territory and different uh, different things in place. And so they had to um, introduce uh, legislation to give effect to that mandatory code of conduct in each state and territory. And that came about quite quickly in some states and much slower in other states. And then each state uh, had the opportunity to pull out of the, the mandatory code what they saw as more or less important and... Uh, emphasise certain aspects of it. So, again, it's slightly different. The code is being implemented slightly differently in every state and territory. And um, you really need to become a specialist in each state or the state that you you operate your business in. Yeah, I was going to ask that, actually, because when you distill it down to the individual business to whom this really affects, they need to know the state government legislation around this mandatory code of conduct to really understand what their rights and responsibilities are. So for the individual business owner out there who's not quite understanding or reading the code of conduct, thinking that applies to them, they should be approaching who to find out what their rights are. Is it a is it a New South Wales, for example, small business commissioner issue or should they be talking to their peak body? Who should they talk to? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a few sources but um, that's certainly my role with the NRA and uh, and they were very quick to respond to uh, providing um, updated information to the, their members of the association and, and retailers who weren't necessarily members but were desperate for that information. The NRA puts out news flashes you know, yesterday afternoon as, as the word came through from Victoria of Stage 4 and what that meant for retailers down there and um, emails are straight away going out from the NRA to update them on the implications of that. Um, we've been doing a webinar on a weekly basis uh, for 16 weeks now, every Wednesday, updating um, retailers on specifics around the, the mandatory code and how to apply it for negotiating with landlords to achieve rent relief. Um, and that's been an evol- even that webinar 
system. If I look back to the first one we did, it was very much a, and it was the first week of April, really, as the code was coming into effect. Um, it's evolved. It's been a moving target. It's been an evolution of understanding how each state, um, New South Wales didn't eventually uh, apply a regulation to give effect to that code until the 24th of April. And same with Perth on, on around the 29th of April. Perth and Queensland were the last two, um, whereas Victoria were quite quite quick with it after the, the code was introduced. So, And the, the unfortunate thing is it's a national mandatory code of conduct, but landlords were refusing to enter into negotiations until it was given effect by some legislation, by a regulation or an act. Mm. Um, so there was a big delay initially of uh, up to three weeks before tenants could really... Um, begin negotiations with landlords in some cases and unfortunately they pay rent in advance and their shops were closed in many cases or gyms for example were closed on the 23rd of March Mm. Um, they were closed no income and they were expected to pay rent in advance for April and landlords wouldn't even negotiate with them until the regulations came in effect Uh, so it was a a very uh, confusing uh difficult period, particularly over April as all this unfolded. And like you said, a lot of these pieces of legislation that are affecting small business are evolving. It's a really great tip there, Kyle, is to jump onto those webinars that are put together by the National Retail Association so that you can educate yourself with this this moving feast. If you've just joined us here on Small Biz Matters, we're talking to Kyle Swain, who is an advisor to the National Retail Association, talking all about commercial rent. Now, in its heart, the Code of Conduct what is it trying to achieve? And essentially, if you can speak broadly on a national level, what are the, um, I guess, the rights and the protections that are there for retailers or for anybody involved in a commercial lease situation? Yeah, great, Alexi. Um, the the essential, <clears throat> um, what was trying to be achieved by Scott Morrison and the National Cabinet was essentially twofold. One, the keep people employed, and that was the JobKeeper component, and two, for continuity of business, um, understanding the impact this would have on small businesses, uh, on retailers, and and how important that retail sector is to the Australian economy overall. It was critical to try to find a way where businesses could continue beyond the pandemic period um, and uh, come out the other side and be able to maintain their business, maintain their staff and to um, meet their lease obligations on the other side of this. And the only way to do that was to share the burden. Um, So a series of both overarching principles were put in place and then specific leasing principles. And And that's essentially what the Mandatory Code of Conduct is, a set of overarching principles designed around that intent and the intent being continuity of business um, to ensure that businesses survive this and can continue to trade after the pandemic period. And certainly at the time, the pandemic period was expected to be end of September. Everything would be in recovery by then. And uh, and we're seeing that obviously is in question right now. Uh, there's uncertainty around that. Um, there was a, a word that seemed to be almost every second word out of everyone's mouth at the time, which was unprecedented. Um, people 
got sick of hearing unprecedented, but that's certainly what it was. And things were put in place quite quickly. Um, you, you would know how long a piece of legislation normally takes to go through. Um, this was all done over a, a fortnight, pretty much. Um, and we considered some states slow to react if they took three or four weeks. What would you um, say? So, sorry, I just wanted to ask you about that. Those particular, because you mentioned the overarching, and then and then <clears throat> the particular pieces of legislation are there to sort of protect small businesses. What do you say to the typical small business owner who says, "My landlord is refusing to give me any sort of a discount, and they're threatening me that they're gonna they're gonna terminate my lease early because I can't pay." What the what are the protections there to help them in that scenario? Yeah. So the. the very first bill that went through New South Wales was the was around those protections and the the fundamental elements of the mandatory code of practice uh, code of conduct is that um, there are those protections in there for retailers. So during the pandemic period, or there's there's different terminologies: pandemic period, job keeper period, uh, the response period. That they all refer to the six month period from the start of JobKeeper to the end of JobKeeper before it got extended, so to the end of September. During that period, and that's the period that the legislation is um, is in effect for, uh, during that period, landlords are not able to issue default notices or take any type of recovery action against tenants who are in arrears or in default um, because of the uh, economic situation um, and impact by COVID. Um, it, it's, uh, it's there to protect tenants so that um, understanding that they're required, that one of the principles is that they're, they're still required to meet their lease obligations wherever possible. So they need to make every effort to pay their rent, but if they are impacted by COVID to a point where they're unable to and they're acting in good faith with the landlord, um, and that's a key word through the throughout the the principles of the of the mandatory code. Um, then they have those protections. They can't be defaulted. They can't have their lease terminated. They can't. Uh, the landlord can't take recovery action. They can't access their bank guarantee or their security, for example, to recover that debt. Um, they can't increase rent on a normal annual increase if uh, if in June your rent was due to go up by 3% or 5% or CPI or whatever, that can't take effect until after this response period and can't be backdated. Um, there's all sorts of measures in place like that to help protect the tenant. If the landlord is refusing to provide any relief, then that's essentially illegal right now, um, required by law. Um, there's a clause that says if if they are financially unable to provide that relief, then then there's provisions for negotiation around that as well. Um, and who provides? What it says is, who, sorry, could I just yeah. ask who provides the mediation service for those negotiations? Is that the peak body, or is it like the small business commissioners at the state yeah, or federal exactly. level? Yeah, a key part of the at the at the end of the. Uh, <clears throat> of the mandatory code of practice is a binding mediation process for any disputes around this. And that is being provided in each state by the uh, small business commissioner's offices and, and doing a great job. Um, I have sat in on some of those in, in a couple of states and, and they've been very fair. Um, 
and and very good mediations and have resulted in in good outcomes. I, I believe uh, in the cases I've sat in on for the tenant um, and rightly so in those cases. Um, I, I'm not sure on the percentages overall that have had to go to disputes as yet, but um, but that that uh, certainly available to people, and it's not a not an overly onerous or cumbersome process to go through that and, and get an outcome. Uh, that's really good to know, actually, because I'm sure that a lot of people feel, well, I've already got so much on my plate. I'm already so stressed. I don't want to have to go down the path of taking my landlord to court when in actuality you've got someone mediating you and protecting you and um, speaking for you and helping you understand the legislation because they're there to support you as a small business owner, not necessarily the other party. But at the same time, they're being fair about it as well. That is that is very good yeah, news. Normal disputes between tenants and landlords would go through NCAT or QCAT or you know the relevant um, civil... Uh, tribunal process in each state and and it is kind of a legal process whereas the binding mediation process associated with the code of conduct is is with the small business commissioners with um, really skilled mediators who are there to negotiate between the parties and achieve outcomes and and it is a binding process though so things that come out of that um you know, are binding agreements between the parties. And, and so given, I think it's a very good business. And, and given that we are extending <laughs> the time period that we're speaking of, um, you mentioned that this legislation is tied to the time period that is JobKeeper. So I presume that if JobKeeper is expanding, so will this in terms of time? Is that right? Well, that, that's a big question mark, actually. The feds haven't made a call on that as yet. Um, and, and it's still with Treasury and there's lobbying happening right now there's there was uh there's meetings due to happen yesterday and some things uh got in the way of that so there are some meetings happening today um specifically around that point what does happen and it's a big the the number one question coming through to me at the moment from retailers through the nra mm. is uh you know what what will happen after that will will our rent relief agreement be extended as long as the JobKeeper program is extended, because the two are always tied together um, in terms of your eligibility for rent relief un- under the mandatory code was tied to your JobKeeper eligibility, and the time frame was tied together. Now JobKeeper has been extended, but the legislation in every state is due to expire at the end of the original JobKeeper program. Um, time frame. So that is the number one question and it, and it's not yet been answered. Um, it's actually really interesting because uh, we know that the landlords are lobbying saying they actually can't afford to extend it and that it would have significant impact on, on their businesses, um, obviously. Uh, there's a number of different... Um, Bodies now involved, uh, restaurant and caterers, for example, um, which is a big association, and and they are really badly impacted um, right from 23rd of March. Uh, and right now, again, in Victoria, completely closed or, or barely able to do takeaway menus. Um, All the more reason to keep connected uh, with the, uh, the, the the association and all the webinars and, and fantastic things that you yeah, guys are doing. Yeah, absolutely, to keep up to date with that. Now, I think the, the, um, 
the main push for that extended period will not necessarily be to extend what's in place now, but um, I think the lobbying will be around the feds picking up um, some slack there and and providing um, providing some stimulus directly to uh, the, the SMEs or or essentially paying portions of their rent to landlords. Yeah, and that has been picked up in other um, in other countries as well, where people have are having their their rent subsidised. I know that Great Britain was doing that for a period of time. Um, I just wanted to ask you as well, just as a final point, what's your report card on the big boys like the uh, you know the ret- the 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 Westfields of the world? How have they been performing and and behaving in this scenario? What's what's your feeling on on that? Yeah, well. To preface that, <laughs> I, I work purely on the on the tenant side, and and our job is to level the playing field, and, and it's been an unlevel playing field for a number of years. And so I, I I'll, I'll preface that, um, and I don't want to single out Westfield because by and large uh, Westfield have certainly abided by the the code of conduct, um, and as have many of the other bigger landlords. Um, uh, with similar similar backgrounds to Westfield, similar portfolios, um, I've seen the very best from some landlords, and I've seen some shocking stuff from landlords. Some, uh, some, you know, there's a landlord in in Queensland, for example, that pretty much on day one of of uh, the pandemic period, uh, Sent a letter to all of their retail tenants and said free rent for the next six months, and full stop. Oh my god! Give um, them a big shout a, out. Who are they? Well, I would. I can't mention their name on here. <laughs> no, you um, can't. But, but because that, that would be an, they don't have, that they would don't be an advertisement for them if you did. <laughs> yeah, well, they they would deserve it because they've gone far and, and beyond. But they completely understand uh, the importance of their sixty odd retail stores to the rest of their portfolio and they're more of a more of a curated retail process underneath mixed-use developments and things like that so for them um, the continuity of those businesses are critical to their success longer term and they understand that some retailers don't understand that and they are all about saving a few dollars this financial year but it will impact on them in FY21, Absolutely. FY22, They've definitely got their, their head in their sand when it comes to thinking about this long term. And I think if anything, the scenario that's unfolding in Melbourne is helping us to very brutally understand that this is a long term process and it's going to affect everybody long term and we have to work together. Carl, we've come right up to the top of the half hour. Thank you so much for coming on Small Biz Matters and sharing all of your knowledge. Thank you for advocating for small business owners and for supporting the National Retailers Association in what they do. Now, tell us where people can find out about those all-important weekly webinars and how they can keep up to date with their rights? Well, I think resource-wise, what I can tell people is in your state, find your small business, um, the government small business uh, website, which has great information and great great examples of FAQs and how how to interpret the code for your negotiations. Secondly, go to the NRA and... uh, it, there's an online form where you can make an inquiry and if you're a retailer, that will come through to me eventually. Um, they've got a great uh, YouTube channel where most of our webinars are 
stored on there so you can watch the past webinars that we've had. They're only 30 minutes, so 15 minutes of me covering one or two topics and then 15 minutes of real-time question and answers from uh, from retailers who have been able to ask specific questions and, and for their situation and get some answers. So um, they're, they're good starting points. Thank you so much, Kyle. That's some really valuable resources there for not only retailers, but everybody who's affected by this commercial rent situation. If you're an advisor out there, jump on those some of those webinars and find out what how you can support other small business owners around you. Kyle, thank you so much for joining us on Small Business Matters today. Thanks very much, Alexia. It's good to be here.